Welcome back to a new season of Woman to Woman, the podcast. The podcast where I sit down with different women from different industries to get to know a little bit about who they are, what they do, and their journey to womanhood. We've been gone for a while. I know, I'm cognizant of that, but we're back with a new face, a new feel, the same jingle, but obviously the same amazing guests. And today I am joined by a new member of the team, my little, my little Jenna, General. Um, the amazing Chelsea Matada. I said Jenna. I said, I ain't a Kardashian. The, <laughs> this is the thing. Okay. Our, our, relation, our dynamics is already showing. And I think even in the way that we're dressed. Princess and, and the beast. And the beast. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm joined with a new uh, member. There's been a shift in the way that Woman to Women has run. And I think over the years we've had ups and downs um, in terms of what the businesses look like in terms of what their vision has been like and Chelsea is a new member of the team so she will be heading up the sex and relationship um section of um the brand so before we get into the question in herself can you introduce yourself who you are what you do because you do an yes. immeasurable amount of things and let's just and let failing at all of them no come on don't be silly <laughs> <laughs> um so yes my name is Chelsea Matada and what do I do? What do you do? I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm a creative writer. I'm also a journalistic writer, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Um, I'm a poet. I'm a university student studying creative writing. And I create content um, for my own Instagram around sex and relationships. Um, I'm also an arts and culture editor for a magazine called Guap. Um, I have a background in fashion. Yeah, I am just struggling my way up in these 20s. It's going very well. It <laughs> must be going well because you're doing so much. So before we get into like the questioning and whatever not, um, the first question that I usually ask all of my guests is, what does womanhood mean to you? Oh my goodness. Um what does womanhood mean to me i think i'm still trying to figure that out which is fine um i think womanhood is something that um is individual to each person Mm -hmm. and it's a journey Mm -hmm. so i'm still trying to figure it out figure it out Mm -hmm. i will say that my experience of womanhood Mm. so far is three words maybe i would say is sacrifice Mm -hmm. strength Mm -hmm. and sex the three s's the three s's honey (laughs) (laughs) so let's kind of like decipher each one so what Uh do you mean by sacrifice okay so i think as a woman um we have to sacrifice ourselves in many ways Mm -hmm. um even you know as young as nine years old is when women begin to, or well, some women um, begin to have periods. Um, and, you know, as girls, we basically are shedding a part of ourselves mm. on a monthly basis. And there's a lot of pain in that process. There's a lot of difficulty in that process mm-hmm. for many women. Um, and a lot of issues related to that process. Um, so I think that is what I would mean when I say sacrifice. Mm. 
um, not only um, sorry, sorry not only like biologically but also emotionally yeah. um i think women are still trying to understand ourselves mm-hmm. and our place in this world mm-hmm. and i think that comes with a lot of sacrifice in that journey whether it's because you've chosen motherhood or you've chosen you know a full-time um career or just a a, a life that doesn't um, revolve around um, procreating, mm. um, sacrificing relationships in maybe letting go of your own experience of a daughter to now become somebody's mother. Mm. Um, yeah, sacrifice oh, wow. is definitely a big theme in my opinion. The sacrifice of your quote unquote um, youth mm. and looks that is often attached to the idea of femininity and the experience of women as they get older um yeah so many ideas around sacrifice mm. um strength because in order to survive all the sacrificial nonsense you you're strength. gonna need to <laughs> have a little strength um and a woman without strength in this world is a very very um dangerous thing for her um it can lead us into all sorts of vulnerable situations mm. and places and situations where we end up basically um disrupting ourselves completely Mm -hmm. um and so i think there is a level of strength that all women have to have Mm -hmm. in order to simply survive um and then um i i kind of leads on into sex because um sex is the number one thing that is that connects us as humans but is particular in terms of the female experience Mm -hmm. of sex when women have sex we may get pregnant. That is a that is a uh, a result mm-hmm. <laughs> of sex with women. Um, another result is to do with how sex is used to control women. Mm. Whether it's because our bodies are sexualized mm-hmm. um, to a point of discomfort, to a point of um, abuse. Um, whether it's to do with the fact that there is a fear around sex when mm-hmm. it comes to women, the fact that some people may view it as a unfair advantage or power um that we have and yeah so that is those are all the ideas that i have experienced understood of myself so far as a woman as womanhood yeah um and yeah i'm sure there is more and i look forward to it i wouldn't change it i like being a woman yeah it's dope it's yeah. an extreme sport but <laughs> it's, it's, an extreme it's sport. dope <laughs> so then when talking about your own journey to womanhood and navigating the three S's, mm. how has that been like for you? And I think it's even more interesting because you, family-wise, you, your mom, your mom and your little sister. So mm. you come from like a very women-led yes. home. So how has that shaped what womanhood looks like to you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, <coughs> the thing is with my mum, my mum wasn't my first experience of womanhood. Mm. My earliest, of course, of course, you know, she gave birth to me, blah, yeah. blah, blah. But my earliest memory of seeing a woman in the house was my grandmother. Mm. So I grew up in Zimbabwe between the ages of two and seven. And I remember my grandmother is, a, is, is she's, she's very serious, you know, she's not messing around, you know, traditional um, African grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she presented herself to me at a young age. I saw her as a very, very strong person. Yeah. Um, not only physically, <laughs> <laughs> but um, she she 
she appeared to me as a woman who had a lot of control mm -hmm. of her household. Um, and I, she was my first experience of receiving love and care mm -hmm. um, from a woman. And then, of course, when I then moved back to London, I then was able to experience that mm -hmm. with my mother. My mother, it was interesting because for a long time, I was unsure of her position as a mother in my life because of those younger years of being without her. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, she visited as much as she could, etc. Um, and she was, you know, as present as she could be. But in my child brain, I didn't necessarily connect with her in that sort maternal of way. maternal way. Mm -hmm. So I always kind of saw her for what she was presenting mm. or what she was. It wasn't the um, experience of her yeah, like that, yeah. I didn't see her as like, oh, this is my mother. It was yeah. more like, this is Juliet, titled my mother, mm. sort of, <laughs> if that makes any yeah, sense. Yeah, so it does, it does. And um, so I often found myself um, comparing and contrasting what my idea of motherhood is mm -hmm. uh, and what kind of mother I want slash need versus who she actually is. Mm. And I think there is, um, th I think this is something that happens to a lot of children as they grow up, mm -hmm. is they realize that their parents are human beings mm. and they may realize it quite late in the game. Some people don't realize it until you know they become a mother themselves or a parent themselves. Like, oh shit, my mom, my dad was a human and mm. they mess up and they make mistakes and they say the wrong things and they're actually trying to balance work, life, yeah their own sexuality, their own happiness, and now being somebody's, um, you know, everything yeah. can be quite, well, very difficult. Yeah. But I understood that my mother was an individual at a very young age, so yeah. I respected her for the work that she was putting in to provide. Um, I had a, and I do, of course, have a respect for how she's, the decision-making that she has made in order to, um, do the best job that she can not only yeah. for herself but for her children yeah. and I think because even though it has been a great pain to not quote unquote have that traditional maternal bond with her I am she is my woman and I am hers mm. um, which I think is something that I will always cherish um, and yeah and I think it's what keeps our relationship very much alive mm. and very strong no matter what craziness is going on mm. um i see her for who she is and hopefully as i develop further into my womanity um <laughs> that word womanity <laughs> we'll make it work um yeah so as i develop more into my own she can also see me for the woman i am as well um and then in terms of my little sister there's a 10 year difference mm. So I always wanted a sister. I prayed for a sister. Um, I knew my mom was pregnant before she told me and <laughs> I knew it was a girl. I used to have recurring dreams of my little sister when she was, um, when my mom was pregnant. Yeah. And what she looks like now is exactly, exactly how I dreamt her to be. Um, there were even points where my mother and I would have um, the same dreams on the same night of my sister while she was pregnant. Wow. Um, so, you know, we are a family of women, yeah. a, a lot of, there are a lot of women in our family. Mm -hmm. And, um, even though we're not all as connected or as close, um, as you know, I would have hoped what my mother and I and my sister are trying to create 
is a family unit that um, is constantly trying to dismantle generational trauma mm. and to actually learn from each other mm. as women and how we experience women in different ways mm. or, or how we experience femininity and what it is to be a woman in different ways. Because mm. the way that I do it is completely different to Absolutely. my mother. And then, of course, completely different to my sister as, um, you know, a young Gen Z. She's only 13. Mm. So... Yeah, we're constantly wanting to learn from each other and understand each other and be empathetic um, towards each other. But has, has it been hard, easy? Um, I think this generation specifically, we are trying to understand our parents and give them grace. I think we're realizing as it's, we're growing older. So for you, what has that been like and what's like a tangible, maybe a tangible advice that you can give to with navigating those relationships and the nuances around like finding your own woman womanity mm. and <laughs> new word. it's a new it word like a bell exactly. <laughs> humanity <Bing>. exactly <laughs> and sort of nav- uh, finding your own and understanding your parents for who they they are and i think you t- what you touched on about just they are human mm. And I think us doing adulthood the way that we're doing it, I think we're realizing more and more that they deserve more grace whilst we were growing up. So for you, what was that like? And what what's that one advice that you can give someone who is trying to understand that mm-hmm. relationship? I think it's actually about focusing on yourself. Mm. Um, I think what a lot of people do, um, whether you're the mother in the situation or the daughter slash the child, mm-hmm. um, you should, if you're parent does something to to um, upset you mm. um, you're gonna be upset mm. you know it's okay to go through the emotions but then once you have found yourself at a place of um, being still um, think to yourself and ask yourself this um, what can I control in this situation mm. um, how can I choose to react um, to this situation mm-hmm. I think for me I've always explored those types of questions in myself in the hardest moments of my mother and I's relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I had to understand was that I had to kind of not necessarily rationalize, but to understand that where the decisions are coming from and kind of putting myself out of the situation as the hurt child, Mm. but almost give myself like a third person persona. Mm. And if I was the mediator, what would I say to both people mm. and what would I want the other people, what what would I want the two parties to understand from each other? Mm. And, you know, especially when, you know, your parents have grown up from, a, especially with African parents, they've had a completely different experience um, to you when it comes to mental health, when it comes to understanding trauma, um, all these ideas. And so for me, what I usually do is I say to myself, okay, She's made the deci- this she's made this decision to react this mm-hmm. way. Why? I start thinking about the way that she grew up. Mm-hmm. It's not an excuse, but I think about okay, the way that she grew up mm-hmm. or how does she understand empathy mm-hmm. based on her experiences so far? Or is there a pattern that this uh, this is the type of reaction that happens? when she's feeling a type of way about this or have I even triggered her? Have mm. I done, you know, it's like parents can be triggered too. Yeah. Parents will be triggered by you, yeah. your child. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that is, even though, yes, they're an adult, they're older than you, da, 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 da. We are all still children. Mm. We are all still suffering 
under <laughs> um, under the the childhood uh, under our childhood memories and i think that if you have the capability to um try and understand another human in that way no matter whether they're your family member or not i think it's the first step of actual growth yeah because once that they can see or feel that you are coming um from a place of actual real compassion even if you are the hurt person if they can feel like you're coming from it from that place it then lets them open up to then be the compassionate person um or the strong person that you then need in that Mm. moment Mm. it's very bloody hard but um i think for me it's because I have chosen to have a relationship with my mother. Mm. I also need to accept that there are certain things that are going to come with that, Mm. meaning that I am helping my mother, I hope I am, dismantle her generational trauma Mm. so that we don't then pass it on to my children. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. That's a very, very wise way of looking at that and very selfless. Is it? Yeah, it is. It's very selfless. Maybe that's why I'm so tired. You're breaking general classes, general classes, whilst working, whilst finding your Jesus. Whilst university, trying to find a husband. I'm joking, I'm trying to find a husband. (laughs) Yes, she is, but it's part of the process of just growing and being an adult. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. But I don't know, I feel like I asked about your mom because I feel like she's such a big part of your life. Like every time Chelsea has a problem, I always say, have you called your mom yet? (laughs) Because one thing Chelsea's going to do is call her mom. <laughs> one thing I'm going to do is call it's my call mom. It's call her mom, literally. And do you know what it is? Because my mom is really, um, I, I think she's really interesting. Yeah. And I learn the more I press on to the fact of wanting to know her and understand her as a human, we do become friends. Mm. You know, a lot of Af- African parents will be like, I'm not your friend. Mm-hmm. I'm not your friend. The thing is, at some point, you, we're going to have to be friends. Yeah. Because I am no longer the child that um, I was. Yeah. I am now a fully fledged adult. Yeah. I'm supporting myself ish. Yeah. <laughs> hey, mom, can you send me fifty pounds? <laughs> it will you know, happen. You know, but it's I'm I'm becoming my own person with my own yeah. ideas and beliefs, and I think it's important for you to see, to then learn from your parents and understand them like i said as they are mm. not as your mother no mm. as miss you know juliet matada sorry mm. to, dr- to drag you onto the <laughs> internet mother um and so that i think is key um to just having that relationship yeah. and i will always call my mom when i'm making a decision because she doesn't necessarily provide me with like sound advice <laughs> Because there's been times where I've called her in a panic and she's given me like the worst advice ever. <laughs> and it's just all I can do is laugh because I guess what I'm looking for is something that feels like home um, or yeah. something that feels like um, that she she is a, a person who can plant my feet to the ground. Mm. And, you know, there are not a lot of people who can get you to that place mm. in life. And, you know, a lot of people will find that from their parents. Mm. Maybe there are friends that you can find that or maybe a partner. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in a space where, oh, my gosh, I don't know what to do or I'm so stressed or et cetera, et cetera. If I can pick up and call my mother and even if what she's saying, I'm probably not going to do or not going to agree with or maybe she's just chatting shit. (laughs) I can still feel that sense of um, someone is there. Yeah. 
Um, and she's always going to be there. And I appreciate it. The good and bad. Shout, and out, the funny. shout out to Mumsy. Shout out to Mumsy. This Mumsie. was not supposed to be a segment, but it's it's great. It's International Women's Month. Yes. Mother's Day is coming up. So yes. it's all linking. It's all linking. It's all linking. <laughs> and this is what Women to Women is all exactly. about. Exactly. We're bridging the gap between women. And I think motherhood is such a huge aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Whether you want to be a mother, whether you have... You don't have to be a physical mother. I think you experience motherhood in so many different ways because mm-hmm. it's so tied to the nurturing aspect that we have as women. Um, so I just think it's great to shout out the mumsy. Yeah. Um, What's your relationship with motherhood? Do you want to be a mother? Um, hell, turn it on me. Turn I mean, it I on you, honey. I think I always said, Whoa. oh. And I always oh. said, <laughs> <laughs> I always said, I feel like my role in life is to be a mum. Like, yeah, I, you know, that stayed with me when you said that to me. The, I, I was, yeah, you said that to me about five months ago. Yeah. Do you know what? I think because my mom is very, it's their moms that she's very, she's in, she's so in love with their, with her children that it's bec- it becomes suffocating. Like, <laughs> she doesn't want to let go. Like, she doesn't want to yeah. cut the cord. So the type of mother she, that she was, I think it translated into me and how I love and how I want to love people Mm. so i've always said i really want to have kids so that i can nurture that love in them um Mm. and i think i'd i'd probably do i think being a mom is one of the greatest jobs that you have Mm. and stuff and i have a lot of siblings i come from a house from a household of like seven yeah seven kids Mm. and i'm the oldest girl so that first you're the oldest of seven i have an older brother but he's i mean yeah there but (laughs) (laughs) but you know to be the oldest girl in a yes, home it's a different type of uh, huh? <laughs> okay cool yeah. at least you know so it's i've always had that responsibility to yeah. kind of be mm. the second in command when it, my mom's not there so mm. i think yeah i think for me motherhood is 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 a necessity and i think like you said it feels like home mm. and i've seen my mom my dad's been there but there was a period of my dad was back in congo and my mom had to take care of like six kids under the age of five by herself in a new country so i've seen her juggle motherhood yeah to a different degree so yeah i definitely want to be a mom and yeah motherhood is just amazing to me i'm it sure is, it'll have its it headaches it is amazing and i think with motherhood i think for me i get so scared why because it's not it's not easy having children it's not it's not easy just the having them in the first place May. just getting pregnant in the first May. place i'm not necessarily in this in that stage of my life yet but i do often think even you know as a young babe i think to myself i really may need to start thinking about putting money on the side for things like ivf you know like it's difficult yeah. for women to have children, especially black women. But no and one I, ever mm, talks about it. That's not a conversation no. that's had. Exactly. And this is the type of discussions that we're going to be having on Women to Women mm. where we are, especially um, when it pertains to women of color, there are a lot of difficulties around having children as women of color um, from just procreating mm. to then being in the birthing rooms. Um, and then not only that, then the support that comes after yeah. with maternity leave. Um, motherhood has become something that is so um, expected to be easy and natural. Yeah. Um, and, and thing is, we're not really deeping the fact that a miracle. No, you know what? I won't say miracle mm. because the even the idea of calling motherhood 
a miracle of course yes it is you know it's a gift and it's amazing and it's beautiful and all those type of positive affirmations and ideas that mm-hmm. comes around mm-hmm. bringing life to the world but it also is a miracle wrapped in a nightmare mm. you know <laughs> no <laughs> like I've I have never I've from what I've read yeah. and from what I've heard from friends who've now have had children, it must it has to be the most difficult thing a human being can physically go yeah. through. And then to do it seven times Sis. Your mother Sis. is wow. She tried. What, she, she natural or natural. Did she was she was she wearing the was she wearing the drugs? <laughs> Was she was taking she, the drugs in she? Congo? I don't know, you know. Oh, my god! Because I actually don't know what, what she was doing. So I oh think when you look goodness. at someone like that, you think, oh, like, yeah. and then with motherhood, you have to juggle everything. Life still goes on. So you still have to be a yeah. wife. You still have to be, yeah. you know, a sister. You still have to, I don't know how they And do I feel it. like pregnant women, the fact that there aren't red carpets for every woman. Sis. And you know what's so interesting as well? Sorry, yeah. this is such a segue to what we were supposed to talk about. But I was w- watching the documentary about women who have had um, female genital mutilation mm. in Somalia who are still expected to have children. Of course. And have had that procedure. And that's not even spoken about. And some yeah. women die because of that. And the way that it's... I don't know. I just feel like there's so many nuances that comes from that is attached to black womanhood and motherhood that needs to be explored a bit more because Mm. there's so many untold stories Mm. in that space that we know Mm. nothing about and i think the more unspoken it goes the more uncomfortable it becomes for us to Mm. speak about in our communities Mm. even though it's so so important Mm. because one woman telling her story allows for floodgates of women to be able to be like oh my god Mm. i'm not i'm not an anomaly like there is someone that looks at me who's experienced the same thing as me Mm. um which is really, really, really important. So I think when you speak, ab- when you even started the conversation about around womanhood um, and you spoke about sacrifice, strength and sex, I mm. think those three things are so integral to womanhood mm. and it's not so spoken about. No, no. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, the reason why I'm so, so almost to a crazy point, passionate about sex. Yeah, let's talk about it. Women have been made to feel like such shit (laughs) like (laughs) such shit you know you would really think that like immaculate conception like Mm. like you would think that at some point in this history women weren't having sex we were just being gifted by children by Mm. storks like as if we haven't been fucking and bucking was generation for centuries for the dawn of time <laughs> in order to have children yeah. like this is how we are all here mm. because a woman and a man a biological woman and a biological man had sex yeah. that is how we are all here and it's how we will continue being here mm. um you know god willing until they start making uh, yeah sides. i mean you know of course some people do need the extra help and mm-hmm. that's fine but yes that is that we are sexual beings yeah. and i think it goes beyond the um biology of it but more so the actual culture of it the way that um even this especially when it comes to the sex lives of black women Mm. you've mentioned fgm that is something that happens a lot in the african continent Mm. and it happens because 
basically they um th- the reason they're doing it is to basically um uh, take away any temptation yep. of a woman to have sex and outside. to prove that the woman is pure, is pure and is a virgin yeah. and it means that basically by removing their quote unquote you know clitoris and sexual organ organs and i think parts of their um labia someone mm-hmm, correct mm-hmm. me i'm sure you will um you know it basically takes away the quote-unquote need to have sex for pleasure mm. the issue with that is that the um, health risks that it causes I'm is me. so beyond like and 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 also just the amount of shame that is then taught over and over and over again generation after generation after that pain hits you and the body remembers mm. it will then tell your daughter that, that this is what you deserve for f- for having sexual ideas for mm. having sexual thoughts and the worst worst thing is that when I'm, these a lot of these women in these um in these countries will still be violated yep. sexually will still be used sexually and <laughs> they'll be <laughs> and it's and i'm laughing because it's it it's just bewildered. it shows you the absolute insanity mm-hmm. of how women are treated when it comes to sex mm. and then there's the other side of uh, again when talking about black women women of color of how they are exoticized and over over sexualized especially in western culture mm. um and it's in a way that is um is uh, what's the word i'm looking for it's it's worse than pervy it's mm. it's 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 done in such a way that is is not supposed to uplift us or you know make us view us mm. as sexy no it's it's just another it's ob- way to objectify to objectify us and 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 i think in I, it breaks my heart that this is the way of the world mm-hmm. and it has been for centuries. Mm-hmm. Um, the violation of women women is a tactic mm. of war that is used to this day. Um, you know, r- rape culture, sexual assault culture is something that exists in our universities, in our schools, within family. Um, with, it's, uh, it's exhausting. And I think mm. because of the lack of information that is fed with... Um, in a, cultures western or not mm-hmm. um it is why we continue these patterns of um of violence mm. and um yeah i'm sick of it i want women to not feel ashamed yeah. by their sexuality yeah. i want women to be able to talk quite frankly about it and i want women and men and um all people who are practicing uh, sex to just be able to talk about mm. it if we are out here talking about you know all what's happening with kanye west and kim kardashian's relationship in such detail why can't we talk about the fact that you know my boyfriend has not been able to have an org- or i or not even my boyfriend i haven't been able to have an orgasm <laughs> for um six months with my boyfriend what's going on mm. let's have this conversation with with my partner mm. the fact that that is those conversations are still difficult to have yeah. is a big red flag to me and of yeah. course there are worse situations going on when it comes to um the sex problem but mm. Yes. Anyway, I'm sorry on that tangent. No, no, that was so great, and I think it shows the reason why I wanted to add that sort, those sort of conversation within Woman to Woman, because mm-hmm. one of the reasons why it was created was to have conversations that aren't 
being had in such an open dialogue even if we agree or we don't and i think especially for me coming from like a faith background Mm -hmm. sex was never spoken about so when i am introduced to that conversation it it becomes something so natural becomes uncomfortable to talk about it's like oh but you're being a prude or Mm. but then there's important conversations around like you know birth control around sexual health around even like um sexual like awareness Mm -hmm. around other men or other Mm -hmm. women like do you know what i mean so i feel like you even explaining and taking it us to the granular um Mm -hmm. of why you're so passionate about sex relationships black women within this sexual world Mm -hmm is more of an indication why we need to have this conversation mm-hmm. to the forefront because there is such a nuance around what sex looks like for black women. Exactly. So, yeah, thanks for sharing. That was, it wasn't off the tangent. It was perfect. Okay, thank you. You cutie pie. <laughs> <laughs> so, then, so then in the in the spirit of sort of like International History Month and whatever, what is like one bias or one <laughs> stereotype? whatever. Sorry, sorry. International History Month because it's so long. Yeah. <laughs> The, the month of women, yeah. <laughs> what what is kind of like a bias or a stereotype that a stereotype <clears throat> that you want to break that you through your work within the mm-hmm. sex space because you do so much, yeah. Um, your work, but I want to kind of focus on what we're connecting on. Okay. What do you kind of want black women to know? What do you want your work to? How do you want your work to impact okay. in that space? Okay, well, one of the biggest misconceptions is that people who are sex influencers or sexologists have a lot of sex. Chelsea <laughs> <laughs> wants to let you know it has been dry in that department. <laughs> no, honey. Never dry, never dry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, certainly, unfortunately, <laughs> that is not the case. Um, I think, actually, by... By having the courage, so you know, of course, before I did this, guess what I did before I decided to do um, sex content? What? Guess what I did? What did you do? Did you become, did you become a celibate? No. Sorry. I talked to my mum. Uh, I can't breathe. Oh, I should have said that. I, <laughs> I called my mum. <laughs> um, and she was like, I don't know why it's taken you this long to do this. <laughs> and I was, because actually, when I was 14, mm-hmm. I talked to her, I was having, I was having a conversation. Um, with her about this project that mm-hmm. I wanted to do and at the time I think it had to do with uh, uh, yeah the, the experience of black women and sexuality and you know we were talking about all sorts of things from you know polyamory in, Afri- in Africa to um, you know um, same-sex relationships mm-hmm. within um, black women and how that is viewed and she got me a book um, by Esther Perel called the state of affairs mm. and i always found it quite funny because i was only 14 mm. at the time and but i f- there was this little bit of encouragement from her like mm. she didn't i was really nervous having this conversation with her about this p- project that i was wanting to do at school but she was like yeah go for it and but you know again as i was growing up and the shame began to kick in yeah you know you start growing a bit of boobs and the uncles start talking yeah and you know you you're walking down the street and the guys are looking at you a particular way mm. and you're still a kid and you don't understand 
and yeah i still was working through a lot of the shame that i felt for being viewed as a sexual being when i was not ready yeah and even when i was ready i hated the fact that it felt like a lot of time men were kind of trying to take advantage of the fact that i was you know young and big boobed and mm. you know and you know I, there was one point i used to cover up a lot of the time I used to wear like bra minimizes mm. minimizers and all these things not because i was ashamed of my quote-unquote femininity um however you want to you know describe that but i just i was got sick and tired of being viewed on face value mm. by my quote-unquote assets mm. um and yeah so for a long time i kind of shut away that part of wanting to study more wanting to read more yeah but then um i uh, six months ago or maybe four months ago i can't remember when it was i was like fuck it absolutely i don't know if you're allowed to swear on this podcast but yeah fuck <laughs> it because i am sick and tired of being sick and tired mm. of how we are being taught sex in this community yeah um and yeah so that's why i decided to truly take it upon myself to start creating content that mm -hmm. was you know viewable and easy for um you know the gen z sort of type um and also of course millennials and then that's how we then truly started to connect and mm -hmm. how we could do it for woman to woman um and yeah i think whatever happens and how, however i decide to grow myself as a sex educator sex mm -hmm. influencer um i want to leave this world knowing that women are not only having better sex but they are experiencing sex in a much healthier way mm. from as young as being children mm. to now being adults mm. um because when it comes to understanding yourself as a sexual person it does start as a young girl mm -hmm. um and it's something that you know young children should be made aware of yeah and should be um understanding of they don't have to know everything of course they don't need mm -hmm. to know everything but they need to understand that their body is theirs yeah that the consent belongs to them absolutely um, children can't necessarily give consent but they do need to have an understanding that this is theirs yeah you know, they they can protect their body parts yeah. and that, again all these types of conversations are not taught mm. um and if I can do that and hopefully make the world a safer place slash funner, sexier place, mm -hmm. then all the better. But yes, that is my end goal. Perfect. Does that answer that question? Yeah, I think you did. Kind uh, of. Uh, I don't of. know. Uh, not really. <laughs> not really. But it was it was an answer. You just wanted to talk, didn't you? I just want to chat. <laughs> chat, chat, chat. <laughs> but no, it covered it well. Mm -hmm. um, do I have any more questions for you, Charles? Um, so you do a lot of work. I think you do a lot of work around. Well, you work do a lot of work with <laughs> the got scene. Yeah, it's been a long day. Yes, um, it really has. The got scene and a lot of work as a poet and yes. stuff. Um, what are you working on personally? Because I know you've got your balance yeah, in woman's so what, but personally, what are you? Personally, I'm working on my personal, I guess, platform. Mm -hmm as a sex educator, blogger, <laughs> influencer, human. Um, I want to get to the point that when you think about sex, you think about me. This face, honey. <laughs> I'm reminding you to put the condom on. <laughs> to take the pill. <laughs> to get a vibrator. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and also to ask those questions that may make you feel a little bit uncomfortable mm. to be able to, um, um, sex is not only about having with other people, sex is also a solo experience. And once you can understand yourself as a sexual being, I think you can find your confidence, you can find your peace, you can find your calm. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I want to be a guide to the people who are in need of one mm. um, and help as many people as possible feel liberated about yeah. their sexuality. Um, and yeah, and also just for me to learn more. I'm, and I'm always gonna be a student and I look forward to basically the next stages of just kind of connecting with people um, on a physical level, maybe doing talks and mm. workshops. Mm. Um, and yeah, and just understanding more and talking more. But Please. yeah, the f I'm really happy to work with Women to Women on this platform. And for all the listeners, please send me your dilemmas because I will be answering them via Women to Women once a week. Um, so yes, please hit me up with those. Perfect. Thank you so much. Um, before you go though, I want to ask you who are your top three women right now that are inspiring you? Oh my goodness. My top three women, Doja Cat. Mm -hmm. I think she's so fun and silly mm -hmm. and obviously really talented um i love her sense of humor so doja cat is mm -hmm. number one number two would always be, i mean num i mean maya angelo is my forever number one yeah but even when i'm not even reading her she, or listening to her or specifically you know she will always be in my heart mm -hmm. and in my spirit i call her my fairy godmother Aww. um i never met her obviously but um yeah she's my spiritual grandmother my yeah. fairy godmother and she's one woman to have ever lived that i will forever love mm. um in death and in life mm -hmm. and i know this sounds really intense but <laughs> i really That's love nice. my angelo <laughs> <laughs> we could tell um <laughs> And number three, I mean, currently it's my mum. Like, she's really cool. She's kind of going through a hard time. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, hard-ish time. I guess she's okay. She'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's a strong woman. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like, I'm, I'm liking uh, our relationship. Yeah. I like where it's going. <coughs> um, and yeah, I think we're both really doing our best and giving each other a lot of grace. Mm. and i really appreciate that from her and life is precious you know you wake up next thing you know you lost your mother you know and so for me i'm very aware of how um short life is mm. and how short of a time i have with her mm. i never know when it's going to be our last moment so yeah i appreciate that lady oh that is such a lovely what way to end this i hope you watch she watches this so that when she makes you angry, she knows. When you she make her angry, she knows that. Okay, tell her she likes me. When I need some money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you ask her for money, just show her this video. Oh, but I'm on, please. <laughs> um, I need help. Last, last question. If you, um, what would you tell your younger self? And then we'll leave it. Oh, poor girl. You know, I feel really sorry for my younger self. Oh my gosh. Like, let's think 12-year-old Chelsea. Oh my what would you tell her? Bless her. I feel so bad for her. Um, Honestly. If I could say something to my younger self, I would say to her, be brave. Mm. I was so scared. And a lot of people don't think I'm a 
scared person a lot of people and i still carry that a lot of people think that i'm the super courageous super confident yeah. person but i don't think i am i think i'm very <laughs> fearful of a lot of things mm. um i don't think i'm as courageous as i would like to be um and i think courage is the one virtue in life that you need above everything yeah um quote my angelo and <laughs> wow chelsea <laughs> I can't believe this. Um, <laughs> it's been a long day, guys. It's been a long day. <laughs> no, it really has. I'm actually crying. Um, but yeah, so I think I would tell my younger self, just be courageous. Yeah. Like, fuck those girls, you know? <laughs> you know, just go and work. Because I used to wear this, like, che- this pink cheetah print, two-piece tracksuit. Mm, mm. And I remember I went into the year seven or whatever, and they were like, is that what you're wearing? And I remember feeling like absolute dog shit. Mm. And, I, and I threw it away. And that was the first step of me just losing, mm. chip, chip, chipping that level of courage and confidence. Yeah. And confidence is so important, especially yeah. as a young woman in this world. Mm. And yeah, I would tell 12 year old me, fuck those girls, wear the cheetah print. Mm. If you want to start singing and dancing on the podium, do it. I would rather, honestly, for a 12-year-old kid, I'd rather a 12-year-old kid that is annoying. You know those annoying 12-year-old kids singing, dancing, Mm. doing up all the acting classes. I would rather that kid than a kid that has become a shell. Mm. And yeah, so I would tell my 12-year-old kid, go for it, hun. They're all losers. (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I'm looking at you. And with that, before Charles starts saying names, me, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, yeah. Charles. Thank you for being such an amazing first thank host. You. I am a first guest. Sorry, I appreciate you. There's better coming, by the way. Don't be too no, worried. No, no. You are the standard. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. We delved into a topic that I thought was very interesting. Well, I didn't expect this, but thank you so much for watching. I will leave all of Chelsea's details in the description box somewhere and I will see you in the next episode. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs>